Second Corinthians chapter number five. We're all dead. That he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For I pray, Brother Bill's just mentioned to me that uh, Carolyn Gill, I think Vera spoke to her today and was doing very well and may come home Wednesday. So thank God we rejoice in that. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as I bow before you, I thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege to preach. And, oh, Lord, how we need you tonight. And I pray for your presence with us and you'd provide each need, oh, God. I pray you'd meet, meet the need of every heart. Thank you for ancient prayer. And thank you, Lord, for Ms. Gill and how you're working in that situation. Bless our time together around the Word of God, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I want to speak to you on the constraining love of Christ. I used to read this, verse 14, the love of Christ constraineth us. And I used to think what he was talking about was my love for him until I learned better and found out he was talking about his love for me is the constraining power uh, that ought to be present in our life. Now, if God dwells in your heart, uh, then uh, that love is going to be there because 1 John 4, 16 says, God is love. Amen. It didn't say God, uh, God loves, but God is love. The very essence of his character, of his nature, is love. He extends grace. He extends mercy. He's long-suffering. Because he is love. Amen. God is love. And so if God is in me, then there's going to be that constraining power within me Amen. to love as well. And uh, in John 5:42, Jesus said, But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And this is an indication of being lost. Now he was... You know, speaking to the religious crowd, uh, he revealed their heart and he revealed that there was an absence of love. Now, this constraining love of Christ, first of all, will constrain us to love the house of God. I just believe that. You know, I just believe a, I just believe a saved person wants to be around other saved people. Amen. Uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, you know, church is my life. It's a part of me. And Psalm 26, or 126, 8, or uh, 26, 8, I uh, can't make my notes out here, one or the other. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place 
where thine honor dwelleth. Here in the Old Testament, he said, I've loved the habitation of thy house. In Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now this ought to be the attitude that when we come to church, it ought to be a time we look forward to. It ought to be something that, that uh, we, we're, we're looking for that time to come. He said, I was glad, not a burden. Well, I guess I better go. You know, if I don't go, the preacher will be knocking on my door. I better go to church. And not that, you know, the Bible talks about giving over there. That God loveth the cheerful giver. Amen. I'm told that we get our word hilarious from that word that is translated cheerful. That God wants us to give with the right attitude and the right motive. Likewise, we ought to come to church with the right attitude. I have loved, he said, the habitation of thy house, and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, you go out on visitation trying to get people, uh, trying to, get people to come to church is, is tough sometimes. Someone says it's like pulling hen's teeth. I've never done that. I don't know where a hen has teeth or not, but uh, <laughs> that's an old saying my dad used to have. But uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. In Luke 4, 16, he talks about Jesus. As his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. As his custom was. I mean, I believe every Sabbath day Jesus was there. As his custom was, he went to the house of God. And we ought to do that. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaken. The assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I think it's a contradiction for a person to say, I believe Jesus could come at any moment then stay at home on Sunday morning. You know, I, I believe as we approach the coming of the Lord, we ought to go more, not less. And, you know, if, if something doesn't keep us out of work, it ought to keep us out of church. And uh, we ought to be, you know, uh, we ought to go. And sometimes I'll tell you, I, uh, you know, I don't feel like going. I didn't feel like preaching this morning. I'll tell you, I, I was wore out. I don't know why. I was just tired and, and uh, just seemingly couldn't get into it like I wanted to. Just didn't feel like it. But I, but I, you know, did it anyway. And, uh, uh, but he said, I was glad when I went to the house of God and not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. So this is not anything new. There was a problem in the early church, and it's still a problem, and will be. But we ought to love the house of God. Now, that's, that's the constraining love of Christ. That's the constraining love of God that lives in every believer is to love the house of God. Uh, you know, I believe, I believe you can get saved people to go to church, don't you? Amen. <laughs> now, it's kind of hard to get unsaved people. I can understand that. I can understand unsaved people not wanting to go. And, uh, you know, someone asked, the fellow said, did you enjoy the preaching? He said, would you enjoy Bulldog if he had you with the seed of the pants? Uh, and uh, he didn't enjoy it very well. But a lost person, certainly, if they... Uh, you know, they, they probably may not enjoy church, but a saved person ought to want to come and have a desire to come. Amen. I believe that. And I can't understand. You go, go out and win, uh, visit people, they say, I'm saved. Yeah, I, I've been saved. But you can't get them in church. Amen. Now I realize there's people that are not able to come. And I'm not talking about folks that are sick. I'm talking about people that just won't come. 
But I'm saved. I'm saved. And they won't come to church. There's something wrong. He said the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ. We're to love the house of God. Second of all, we're to love the Word of God. Or love the Word of God. In 2 John verse 6, and this is love that we walk after His commandments. I want you to turn to Psalm 119. You know, this is the longest psalm in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible. You know what, you know what the theme of Psalm 119 is? The Word of God. Verse after verse after verse magnifies the Word of God over and over and over and over again. He extols the Word of God and tells how much he loves the Bible, how much he loves the Word of God. And uh, in Psalm 119, verse 97, listen to what he said, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You know, whatever you love is what you think about, isn't it? That's right. You know, when I, I don't like the term falling in love, but it's something we use. When I fell in love with my wife, that's all I could think about. It was my meditation all the day. <laughs> Better put all the night because <laughs> I work third shift. <laughs> uh, it is my meditation all the day. I love the Word of God, he says. I think about it all the time. I wonder what kind of Christians we'd be if we was like that. I told you about my grandmother lived to be in her 90s. And she went and spend the night with these folks, and they heard her during the night and thought something was wrong. And she was up in age at the time, and uh, you know, granddad had been dead for some time. And, and uh, they listened, and, and uh, she was praying, but she was asleep. Didn't even realize she was praying. Isn't that a way to live? Yeah. And I'll tell you, she'd come spend a week with us, uh, you know, when I was pastoring maiden, and, and uh, we'd have a revival, and she'd come, and and, uh, you know, about the only thing she wanted to talk about is the Word of God. I mean, that was her conversation. That was her life. She lived for that. And that's what the psalmist is talking about here. I meditate on it. I think on it. You know, you want to find out what's in your heart? What do you talk about? What, what do you talk about most of the time? That's what's inside. Isn't that what Jesus said? For the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Right. You know, some kind of amusing even around church. Listen to the conversation that goes on. Go no sooner, you know, no sooner has uh, the preacher said amen than the conversation turns somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, what is in our heart? <laughs> what do we think about? What do we talk about? And I'm not saying we have to, we have to quote Scripture every, you know, all the time. I'm, I'm not indicating that. But I'm saying that we ought to have it in our heart. Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Verse 127. Uh, says, therefore I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. I wonder how many of us could say that. I love the word of God more than I love money. I love the word of God more than I love making money. I love the word of God more than anything. I love the Bible. I love the word better than anything in the world. 
You ought to read Psalm 119. It's got a lot of verses, but I'll tell you one thing, give you appreciation of the Word of God. The love of Christ constraineth us. It constrains us to love the Word of God. And, uh, uh, you know, I love the Bible. I love preaching. I love to hear preaching. One preacher said there's two kinds of preaching makes me want to preach. Them that can, them that can't. <laughs> but anyway, well, I love the Word of God. Well, I love it. Thirdly, well, I love the children of God. The love of Christ constraineth us to love one another. That's the mark of a believer. Isn't that what Jesus said? John 13, 35, But this shall all men know, that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. The Lord said the world, even lost people, can recognize love, and people will know that you're a child of God if you love one another. That's right. We wonder why it's hard to get people saved sometimes. And you see people that are supposed to be saved fighting and fussing and mad at one another and, and hating one another, and, and you, wonder, you wonder why the lost didn't save. Save people all love one another. Jesus said, everybody, all men will know you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Love don't hold grudges. Read 1 Corinthians 13. These people mad something happened five years ago, 20 years ago. That's not love. Love is something God wants in our heart. And this, is, this constrains us you know, if you're saved, if you're a disciple, if you're a child of God, you're going to have to love me. You don't have any choice. <laughs> you say, I don't like the way you look. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> I don't like your ways. Well, I may not like yours. <laughs> I'm going to love you anyway. Uh, I remember hearing Curtis Hudson one time. He was talking about soul winning. And he was illustrating it, this fellow, about, you know, he said, I, he, challenged, he challenged him, he says, you can't make me mad. He used him as illustration, knocking on someone's door, trying to win them to Christ and some of the response. If you've never done it, then you don't, you know, you don't know how to identify with it. If you've ever done it, and sometimes you get some unusual responses. And it was kind of interesting to listen to. This fellow said some pretty nasty things about him, but he was able to work, you know, he worked right through that and didn't get mad about it. And that's the way a child of God ought to be. You know, we're, we're still, we still have the old Adam nature. We still live in a flesh. And we're all, we're all going to mess up. We're probably going to say something we oughtn't say sometime. Amen. And the best thing we can do is forget it and forgive and go on. And I want to practice what I preach, you know. I don't want to hold grudges and pout. I, I can't understand that. I can't understand people are pouting. I detest pouting. <laughs> I mean, just blow up and tell me what a sorry rascal I am, and then let's be friends. <laughs> Get off your chest. Don't pout for nothing. <laughs> you know. Neither one's right, of course, but uh, uh, the Lord... The Lord says, well, love one another. Let me give you some more scripture. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, how did he love us? He loved us when we were certainly unlovable. What did I have to offer God? Nothing. 
Bible said we were enemies. I had nothing to offer the Lord. And yet for while we were yet sinners, God committeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You talk about love. In comparison to that, what has anybody ever done to me to cause me not to love them? In comparison to that, nothing. Has nobody ever done anything to me to give me an excuse not to love them? This is a commandment, he said, that you love one another. It's not a choice. It's not optional. Well, I, I may love you and I may not. I tell you, I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going to love this one and this one and this one. And I ain't going to have nothing to do with the rest of it. That's not love. Right. This is my commandment that you love one another. That's why I say, you have to love me. You don't have any choice. That's right. God's commanded. If you, if you obey the word of God, you're going to have to. That's true. You can't help it. The love of Christ constraineth us. John 15, 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Again, there's that command. These things I command you. And we wonder, we wonder where the power is. We wonder where the blessings are sometimes. And we need to get rid of all these unforgiving spirits and all these grudges and all the pouting and all the whatever. Whatever's, you know. Uh, that anybody in the world's ever done to us, just forget about it. You know, listen, if I hold a grudge, if I hold something in my heart against you, who loses? Who's hurt the worst? You or me. Me. You're not hurt half as bad as I'm hurting myself. These things I command you. Romans 13, 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So we're indebted to do it. And uh, God said, If you love one another, you fulfill the law. Hebrews 13, 1, Let brotherly love continue. 1 John 4, 20 said, If a man says he loves God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You can't love God and hate, some, hate someone else. You just can't do it. Now, how long are we to love? Love endures, doesn't it? Right. Charity never fails. We're to keep right on doing it. I've had people put their arms around my neck, shake my hand, put their arms around my neck and say, Preacher, I love you. Sometime I wonder. How long till I say something they don't like? Love, you know what's the matter? Let's look at it practically. You know why homes are breaking apart at an alarming rate? I love you too, as long as you do what I want you to do, but if you, you know, if you mess up one time, I'm gone. Bye. That's not love. Love never faileth. Love keeps on. And we'll love one another. And the Bible says we know we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. We love one another. We love God's people. And if you love someone, you want to be around them.
We love one another. Let me move on. The love of Christ constrains us to love our families. Husbands are to love their wives. Ephesians 5, 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And you want to know what love really is? That defines it. Love is giving. Love is not taking. Love is giving. Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You say, well, my wife's not always what she ought to be. Well, you probably aren't either. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but we're to love them anyway, aren't we? <laughs> Christ loved us just like we are. Now, the, the same Bible, you know, I, I've, I've heard preachers preach. They say, you know, the Bible commands a husband to love his wife, but never says for a wife to love her husband. Oh, yes, it does. Wives, love your husbands. Titus 2, 4, that they may talk about the aged women. Don't talk about the old women. The aged women. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. The Bible said aged women teach the young women to love their husbands. Right. And thirdly, to love their children. Everybody responds to love. And the love of Christ constrains us. Paul said, the love of Christ constraineth us. You know, the, the, best, the best medicine in the world for a home is the love of God. That's what people need. They just need a good dose of old-time religion, they used to call it. <laughs> and uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's the need. Just, just the love of God operating in hearts. The love of Christ will constrain us to love our families. And I believe we ought to do that. I'll love the children. Children all love the parents. And listen, if you love children, they love you. That's, you know, you say, I wish people loved me. Well, love them. Yeah. Bible said a man that has friends must show himself friendly. People say, I don't have any friends. Well, blame yourself. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any friends, my fault. And blame no other people. He that hath friends must show himself friendly. That's what the Bible says. And there's a friend that's sicker closer than a brother. <laughs> Thank God that's Jesus. And when all men fail you, he'll never fail you. Love our families. Finally, to love the souls of men. I tell you, if you've got God in you, you love sinners. And I don't understand it. You know, I go out witnessing, have opportunity to witness someone's loss, and there is something inside of me that longs and yearns for that person to know God. I don't know how to explain it. I've explained it to lost people before, people I've ne never even seen. Maybe go knock on the door and meet someone, first time I've ever seen in my life. Witness to them about the Lord and let them know that any concern that I have is God in me. I say, I don't know you. Why should I care? about you. Hey, this one explanation. I mean, why should I care someone I ain't even, I ain't even met? I have no ties. I've never seen them. Now, here I see them, but I want them to know God. I don't know how to explain that except God in you. And I believe if you're saved, you'll have that. And you may not always use it. God wants us to use it. 
But I'll tell you, if you're saved, you care for souls. You care about others. One of the greatest evidences of knowing God, when you get saved, you want to get someone else saved. I mean, that's just part of it. And you find many illustrations of that in the Bible. Those that come to know God, one of the first things they wanted to do was get someone else there. And we love, the constraining love of Christ uh, constrains us to love the souls of men. The rich young ruler in Mark 10, verse 21 says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He loved that boy. He loved his money and it kept him from God, but uh, Jesus loved him in spite of it. And well to love people, won't love their sin, won't hate their sin. And uh, as Brother Griffin opened the Sunday school this morning, won't to hate sin. I hate it too, brother. Won't to get mad at the devil and mad at sin. Won't to love the sinner. Love the souls of men. Jesus loved them. He beholding him, loved him. I think of that maniac of Gadara there. Crazy man running around naked, running around the graveyard. I, I, there's something bad wrong with a man who wants to strip his clothes off and, and live in the graveyard. <laughs> Amen, I mean, it's strange, <laughs> I'd say. And I, when I think of that, I always think, I'm going to tell this on my wife. Uh, uh, we were in Catawba County years ago, and we was thinking about buying a house. And, and we looked at this house, a beautiful house, and next, next to this cemetery, across the road from this cemetery. Oh, no, I'm not living there living next to no graveyard. I said, well, it won't bother you. Safest place in the world. <laughs> but this fellow run around, run around, cutting himself. They tried to chain him, and they couldn't bind him, and here he is living like that. Troubled the town. Uh, but you know, Jesus went to see him, went to that country, and Jesus cared for that boy. He, he, was, he was a heartache to the town and the people. But what he needed was the Lord. You know, Amen. you see these people out here and, and they're derelicts and, and uh, their life is ruined. And I, I think of that and I wonder, you know, it, it puzzles me how people get in such a shape and how they get, talking about old well trotter there, how that they get bound and so enslaved with that alcohol. And yet Jesus couldn't set them free. That's all they need is the Lord, somebody to love them, care for them, really. Everybody responds to love. And uh, Zacchaeus there, Lord loved him, and on and on, many illustrations of the Bible. Luke, Jude, verse 22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And until we love people, you're not going to win people unless you love them. And uh, they know if you love them. They know if you really care. If you really care for them. Well, love the souls of men. If Jesus is in us, <laughs> I believe we will. Amen. If Jesus is in there, we'll love the house of God. We'll love the word of God. We'll love the children of God. We'll love our families. And we'll love the souls of men. You know, in the tribulation, Matthew 24, 12 says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. A mark of the last days 
is a lack of love. People are self-centered. Lord, bless me and my four and no more. That's the attitude sometimes. Care nothing for others. God help us to love one another. Let's bow our heads, please.